Next guest is going to be speaking to us about the recent, most recent, historic, legendary clash of what they're calling versus challenges. That's V-E-R-S-U-Z, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, started by Timbaland and Swiss Beats. Uh, they're, they're really just a, a musical love fest helping us get yeah. through 2020. Uh, the latest incarnation uh, before I even bring this up, the one before this was supposed to feature Keisha Cole and Ashanti, but unfortunately Ashanti came down with the coronavirus and wasn't able to go forward. And soon after that, it was announced that this one was going to close out 2020. And in grand fashion, I must say, they, they succeeded in doing that. It was uh, all about the Bay Area, the Yay Area featuring Too Short and E-40. And we have a guest on the line. He hasn't been here in a while, but this cat knows his stuff. Let me tell you, a Northern California resident who's uh, very, very hip to the game. He's a musicologist of sorts, and uh, he's just an all-around uh, musical aficionado. And he's here to kick some game for us about this challenge, this versus challenge with Too Short and E-40. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good brother, Mr. Glenn Boyd. Mr. Boyd, are you there? I'm there. What's going on, everybody? To anybody oh, who's man. listening, and thank you for that intro, Rome. I, I hope I can live up to it, man. Oh man! Yeah. Hey, everybody. I, I I really need you for this one, good brother. Um, oh yeah, man. Tell me about uh, what this versus has meant to you. Uh, first of all, was this the first one you had checked out in the series of them? I've watched a couple of them, but how tuned to all of the versus battles up to this one that we're going to talk about have you been checking out? So as you said, you know, just me being into the music, uh, I'm always, I kind of got on social media in a lot of ways for the ability to connect with artists and producers, right? To be able to see what they're working on beforehand. So versus I was on it because I followed Timbaland and Swiss and I saw the first one when it was actually Timbaland and Swiss. And mm -hmm. that's when, you know, I got to see what it could be. And they were just, Swiss is in a studio, um, excuse me, Timbo's in a studio mm -hmm. and Swiss Beats is in his car and they're just playing, they're just on an Instagram live playing songs back to back and it was crazy wow. like I mean for me you know growing up early 2000s as far as when I'm in college you know being high, in high school in the 90s like having that experience I actually got to see everyone that's a part of this versus how big they became and where they started from right, right. so I've been into it since then I haven't watched them all um, mm -hmm. but I have seen in something like this one you couldn't miss it right right Too short and 40 water so oh my god now, you know, I knew you weren't going to miss this one. Of all the ones to catch, this was going to be the one. So uh, your general impressions before we get down into uh, the numbers here, uh, did it meet your expectations? I thought it was great. Uh, come short um, or did it surpass it? No, I thought they did a great job. Um, so I'm, I was big on concerts before COVID hit. And right. that meant that um, I've seen this concert. I was really about a year ago, September of 2019, was mm -hmm. at a concert with Too Short, E-40, Snoop Dogg, mm -hmm. and Ice Cube. So wow. even the Mount Westmore album they mentioned with those four Titans of hip hop, 
um, I saw that concert. So seeing this was a big, big deal. I thought they did a good job with set. I thought um, audio was was clean. There wasn't any issues. That was going to be big. They've got that all ironed out. Um, you know, it was it was Bay Area. You know what I mean? The whole thing. It was it was Bay classy, if you will. You know what I mean? Just even how they had it set up and had the the old school cars on the on the stage on gold toes right. with mustard and mayonnaise. Like it was, man. It was. Um, I thought it was great. Right. So I enjoyed all of it. Oh, right. I mean, just goes to show how far we have fallen from that. That was only a year ago and what, three right. months, September 2019. Good God, right. how much has changed since that time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, that was at a large concert. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, I saw Ice Cube back in uh, his death certificate days when that album came out. And Sorry. I was not planning to see him. Somebody had an extra ticket. Uh, for the Hollywood Palladium. You know, I'm from Southern Cal, uh, Glenn. Right. So right. Uh, back then, um, I was into a lot of uh, funk and soul. Uh, hip hop was an acquired taste for me, but I saw what Ice Cube was doing uh, with his music and how he was evolving just spiritually and things that were changing in his uh, lyrics mm -hmm. you know, as far as becoming more conscious instead of just talking gangster rap which Definitely. in itself was uh, quite innovative at the time. So, you know, no disrespect to that, but uh, tell me what it was like for you to just, I mean, you called them the four Titans of hip hop and last night they featured two of them. All right, right. two of them. So right. would you say, how, how would you chronicle the impact of West Coast artists such as Too Short, E-40 um, in lieu of, I don't know. Do y'all feel like they've been in the shadows of people like Snoop and Cube, given that they uh, the, their reach across the country? Uh, maybe they got in the game a little earlier, but uh, right. of course, Short has been there all along. But tell me your perspective from a Northern California music lover and you know a fan of Short and Forty. Uh, how do you think they are appreciated? You know, against the backdrop of Snoop and artists like Ice Cube. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, that's a good question. No, they um. I mean, I think Snoop and Ice Cube have had more notoriety typically. And that honestly, I don't know if that's a function of also being from Los Angeles and being near an entertainment capital like that. Not that E40 yeah. and Too Short couldn't get there, but mm -hmm. I mean, you know, unless you're going to move, it's an interesting idea when you're that close to it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yep. Um, but also just who they were, right? Snoop being lined up with Dre and Ice Cube being lined up with, with Dr. Dre, right? Mm -hmm. NWA and just how big they were. 40 yeah. and Too Short were... were uh, to me appreciated by real like hip-hop lovers and people who understand the culture right um but i don't know that they get to me they probably don't get the the recognition they they should but it's, it's happening in its own ways so mm. i just think they're so instrumental in especially getting money out of the rap game on your on your own right trying to do like master p did and make it where the artist can get paid versus just the record label and trying to run good business so E-40 and short with that, right? Like they, and then they're also that great story of perseverance because they start out the trunk and they're selling their own out stuff. The and, Absolutely. Know, labels at first saying this isn't the right style or it doesn't sound like this or being able to do it on your own and then come to the label with some equity and some leverage mm -hmm. in your mm -hmm. negotiation. So I just think they're so, they're so big to me, man. Like my whole career, I mean, my mom um, has bought two short albums. Now I was only getting it. It's not like she was letting us listen wow. to all of it, right? When we were little, but at the same time, like you, that's the reach. That's what shorts meant to me. It's I've, you know, been hearing two shorts voice my whole, you know, as long as I've been listening to music, right. He's worked with everybody. Mm -hmm. E40 people who understand the culture and recognize always reach out to him. 
I mean, he's worked with everybody in the South, you know, he's worked with cats in New York, you know, all over the place. Anybody who who knows, you know, all through um, the Bay and also LA. So, and they just span all the generations. Absolutely. So um, they probably don't get the the recognition that they of an Ice Cube or Snoop, but it's good to see them featured yet last night. Absolutely. Well, talk about last night. I mean, by the time people hear this, we'll be two days beyond it. But um, you checked it out, good brother. Uh, give us your general impression of the versus battle between E40 and Too Short. They call it a battle, but it's really just a love fest, right? It was. Um, yeah. last break night it down was. for us, good brother. What, what were your thoughts on the versus battle? Yeah, uh, no, I thought it was good. For anybody who didn't see it, versus is like a head-to-head um, music. I wouldn't say competition, but it is kind of like two big name artists going head to head playing some of their greatest songs mm-hmm. and kind of the pu- court of public opinion gets to decide who had better bangers if you will which are you know songs that are very hard in nature and uh, have hard bass so right. you know it's, it's a situation of that in this case exactly in this case <laughs> it was um like you said a love fest right because they wanted to celebrate the bay they wanted That's to right. showcase the bay and and 40 and too short actually were able to get a national spotlight on them uh, to talk their talk, if they will, if you will, you know what I mean? And have a chance to, to say, you know, we did this for the independent rap game and we are important to hip hop. Mm. Uh, so, and, you know, show their reach, you know, playing songs from the eighties to down, you know? Right. So that big songs too, not, you know what I mean? Like, so it was great to be able to, to represent the Bay for a bit. And I think everybody had fun with that set design was cool with the old school cars and homage to Bay area culture and, even how they dress too short coming out in a A's jacket and big gold chain and hat like he used to rock in the eighties. Like it was, I thought it was good. They did a really good job. Absolutely. Now I don't know. I, I didn't watch all of the battle. I did definitely see some of it, but uh, did they make any um, reference to uh, hammer MC hammer, who was also famous for selling music out of his trunk. Like they, I mean, that was the culture, right? I mean, that yeah, predated mixtape culture. That was the scene yeah. back then. Uh, what did they say about the, the just the Bay Area hustlers like Hammer and themselves and how they got started? Yeah, no, that's a great that's another great, great one. Yeah, they and you're absolutely right. Um, they did, because like I was saying, they wanted to, and like you said, it was a, a love fest, right, of Bay Area culture and music. So they they did their time to try to talk about the season of the Bay, talk about all the artists of the Bay, play the other artists music. And they did mention MC Hammer by name. Um, and just said, you know, what he means to the Bay, just to give him a couple cents and say, we love you, Hammer, you know, what you did, what you did for, for us and for the Bay. So they did pay, um, you know, respects to those previous. And also at the start of the show, which was cool, like before E40 and Too Short came out, they had kind of like a little mini DJ set and they just played some classics from the Bay. So mm. it was just a great night for anyone from the Bay Area who loves the music, who feels like they don't often get the national spotlight or, you know, a mm. look on the Bay. Well, what what did I'm curious to know, what did you learn last night? Because you you teach this stuff on a podcast that you host, man. And I through you learned more about Mac Dre and rapping Fote. So uh, what so, came up last night that even surprised you about Northern California music? Um, I, it's kind of hard to surprise me on that just because I've been a mm-hmm. fan of short and 40 for so long. Right. Um, for me, like I said, I saw this live and I've seen them both in concert, you know, sometimes together, probably three or f- at least four or five times each, I'd say. Wow. Uh, so I saw this versus live, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it didn't really like surprise me with anything. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I love how they just were spent time to, like I said, talk about the cities of the Bay, talk about people from Richmond and the neighborhoods of San Francisco and, you know, um, shout out all the cities and mm-hmm. previous artists who were big and, you know, just a chance to to say, hey, we did this. We we, we influenced the game in a large way. Oh, so, man. Um, I, I thought that was beautiful because, you know, being from Southern Cal, I did spend some time in the 707 and right. uh, I've been to the 510, which is Oakland. And right. um, I there was a part where uh, 40 was talking about uh, hanging out on a Benicia Road yeah. uh, over there, right at the cusp of Benicia and Vallejo. A lot of people don't know about Benicia because most people right. heard about Vallejo because of him and a funk band such as Confunction. And even yep. the latest superstar out of Vallejo, a uh, little known artist named Her, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, oh, wow. Vallejo, yeah, but, uh, yeah, Her is out of Vallejo. And uh, okay. oh, she, she's out of sight. And I you know what her. took me out also? Speaking of Her, uh, Victoria Monet, have you heard of her? Yeah, she's from Sac. She's from, I, I don't, okay, so I'm gonna pretend like I've known that for a long time, but I've only known that for about uh, six weeks. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she's uh, like my cousin, uh, my, she's a friend of, no, excuse me, a cousin of a good friend of mine. Yeah, that's so that's I found out. I was like, oh wow, it's crazy, right? I mean, yeah. and and Medicine Captain Marvel, movie. Captain Marvel, what uh, what's her real name? Brie Olsen? No, Brie. Who played Captain Marvel in the Avengers? I can't think oh, of. Her I name. don't know the name, but Sacramento. So Northern California is in the house, and I was even I thinking know. about Boots Riley and the Coup. Yeah, and uh, his movie was was real interesting. Oh, but <laughs> he said oh. interesting. That was the word I had in mind for it. We went and right. saw it because I wanted to support. But uh, yeah, that, that was definitely an interesting film. So I wonder if you could distinguish, how would you distinguish the sound of Vallejo hip hop versus Oakland hip hop? Are there some overlap? Is it a Venn diagram or are there some clear distinctions between the two sounds of 40 and short? Huh, no, I, I think, um, so E40 and short in, the, in their own ways are just so different. Like style and delivery short rap slow and kind of give you that slow monotone steady rap and you 40 will get to the game spitting and spitting all fast and going different ways so Mm -hmm. there's yeah their music yeah um but actually like Vallejo to Oakland um I think when I think of Oakland I think of more like three times crazy too short you know the the mob although you got souls of mischief you got guapoli like you got Mm -hmm. Oakland Mm -hmm. so diverse in that musically right a lot of it just being from you know, black people migrating uh, from the South and coming out to the Bay Area to, for during World War II to try and get jobs, right? All right. black people move out, kids, their kids grow up. You create that culture, right, from from those people. So mm. Oakland has that, you know, uh, it's very diverse, but you think of that mob, steady driving baseline and just have you bobbing your head riding down the street. Vallejo, Mac Dre, uh, E-40, I think a young Nefta Pharaoh, like you get personality from, from the V. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they're they're big, big. Um, and not to say obviously you don't have that from Oakland artists, but I think and possibly because Vallejo, as Mac Dre referred to it as the itty bitty city by the water, mm-hmm. they were, you know, you're out the way, so you it does make you sometimes like louder, so people recognize that you're here that that you're here too. So mm-hmm. I think of more of kind of that sound, uh, the Mac Malls and Selly Sales, still that mob driving, but just still just a little a little different. A lot of slang came out of Vallejo, you know what I mean? A lot of slang Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, talk about the lyricals. I mean, E-40 just was saying that people like T.I. Uh, give him props for it being oh, yeah, big in yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? And and Snoop, of course. I mean, like you said, they were on tour together. But can you talk to us a little bit about that? Just the the lyrical prowess of 40. I mean, because he has such a he he creates his own vernacular. You know what I'm saying? And And ours in the process. Like, yeah, yeah. Bay Area slang, for sure. A lot of the stuff we say, I still say. Uh, term like slap which means uh, you know a song is hitting it sounds good it's a slap or that song is slapping um mm. you know how, how we talk about money with i mean 40 was did all the cheeses you know gouda my mozzarella you know my fatty uh mm. my federale my skrill my scratch you know like mm. all of this and of course i'm sure some of that stuff dates you know predates 40 who's been in the mm. game forever but mm. you know what i mean just really put the bay on and just yeah. Fat, fast rapping and you know always being i'm not rapping too fast you know you're listening too slow like That's his right. own style he's coming with it and just it always makes it makes it fun to learn his verses too because he gets to rapping fast and it gets uh real interesting so yeah you everybody uses e40's words they sure do and what about um you know, one thing from I, I watched the uh the DJ premiere and Riza battle. Yeah, uh, that, that was, was one of the earliest yeah, ones. Yeah, yes, one of the earliest ones. And, you know, I was just surprised with all the collaborations. Uh, can, you, can you think about uh, what when they dropped their their hits back and forth? Uh, can you think of one or two collaborations that you may have forgotten about? Again, knowing that you're you, you have deeply studied this stuff. So, again, it's hard to surprise you. But uh, what collaborations did you notice even in the comments section of people that were just kind of tripping? It's like, oh, snap, I forgot about that one. And yeah. it's like, well, which ones were kind of hitting like that? Um, during the, the, I'm trying to think of some during, the, I mean, always when uh, E-40 plays Destiny Disgusted with Tupac, that's always going to be one, mm. um, you know, that any anything with Pac, you know, especially for the, the West Coast and the Bay, uh, right. and, you know, hip hop in general, but mm-hmm. definitely that. Um, I, remember I mean, you know, yeah, KC on there, who you don't think of often, you know, Too Short doing songs with Jay-Z and Big. Um, Ooh, yes. You know th- that kind of stuff where you you remember like yeah the you may you may not know about them individually or may not be a fan but people fans of rap and you know the OGs in rap mm-hmm. all your Ice Cubes and Ice Cubes and Jay Zs and they they all recognize Too Short and E Forty they know yeah absolutely. absolutely all of them so absolutely yeah definitely well what's also beautiful is uh I have forgotten about the the Nate Dogg collaboration with E Forty Nana I mean oh yeah he's got a few. He's got a few, right? And rest yeah. in peace to uh, Nathaniel Hale, uh, the yeah, great Nate Dogg, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it ain't a great. hit, ain't a hit. you know what I'm saying? Ain't a hit unless Nate Dogg spit. Yeah. And he, he was just dropping his verses uh, with these two titans from Northern California. I'm telling you, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bum School. I'm DJ Rome. We're just chopping it up with the good brother, Glenn Boy. We're talking about the most recent versus battle, uh, the battle of the Bay. You know what I'm saying? Too short. E40, love fest. You know what I'm saying? And so a real quick side note, uh, there was a big fight over the weekend, uh, with, uh, Canelo Alvarez and Callum Smith. Canelo Alvarez won that fight, but just speaking of another Bay Area tidbit that people don't know, we spoke about Ashanti and Keisha Cole a moment ago. Uh, it was recently found out, when I say recently, probably within the last five years or so, that Keisha Cole found out who her biological father was. Did you hear that story? No, I didn't. Okay, so Keisha Cole's biological father, I guess they just were reunited in uh, 2016, I think, is a boxing trainer, Virgil Hunter. Oh, wow. Virgil Hunter trains, um, I think he trained uh, the good brother, uh, oh my God, also out of Oakland, multi-division uh, world champion. 
Uh, Andre Ward, yes, sir. Uh, that's Keisha Cole's father. Oh, and uh, yeah, it's like a little, little tidbit from Northern California. I mean, there's so many things that come out of the Bay. So just, just thinking about that and um, the, the, the time we're in right now, the, the vice president coming in, the vice oh, yeah. president elect is yeah. Kamala Harris. Yeah. Out of Oakland. From the town, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So this is a time uh, where everything is kind of focused on Oakland, California right now. Uh, did they give any shine to uh, the, 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 the moment of politics that we're in right now in terms of how the Bay Area is being now appreciated for all that it offers from the arts, music, politics? Uh, was there any way they tied a bow around those nuances uh, within that versus battle at all? Not in what I saw. I saw most of it. I, I didn't get to see the very, very end, but I think the only reference I really saw to anything like that was E40 saying for the state of Georgia to, you know, get out there in the runoff vote. So, oh, um, yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I they didn't really, that. I didn't hear anything else referencing specifically like the other, um, you know, like the broad culture of Oakland or the Bay, but not necessarily that. Yeah. It wants. Well, I mean, the, the Black Panther movie, I mean, it's just so much coming out of the Bay. The, the, the world of entertainment owes a great debt yes. to uh, artists such as 40 and Short. Um, who won? I mean, if, if you were to just, you, you don't really want to pick a winner, right? Between two right. Short and 40 because what they both bring to the table is absolutely unique and you just appreciate what they both have to offer. If you were a betting man and you were picking favorites, uh, and we were just looking at this as just a pure horse race with no real uh, emotional investment in it whatsoever. Uh, who would you think had the edge? It's tough on that, um, like especially since you said it was like that love fest, right? They were just kind of paying homage to each other in the Bay yep. uh, musically overall. Mm -hmm. I think it was going to be, it's all in, in a versus battle like this, right? So now you're starting to say in the you know competitive uh, vein of hip hop, you know, what hip hop stands for, head to head. It depends on what you play to me. So Too Short right. has so many songs, as does E-40, but that span mm -hmm. so long that have kind of like a certain style sometimes um, right. and, and aren't like, he has, of course, club songs, but I think it depends on what you play, right? You have so many songs. When you play a song like Call Me, which is more slow, you know, melodic, Too Short, and E-40's playing like, uh, you know, Tell Me When To Go or Turn My Music Up or, you know what I mean? He's playing more hype records choices you know get playing and short was too but playing big records i just think e40 was playing ones that i would classify as hype meaning these were party starters all of them function um you know so that's how i kind of saw it so i think e40 probably would be deemed winner because of those types of songs mm -hmm. um, and the court of public opinion thinking that you know but to me too short it's hard to beat him because he's done songs with B.I.G. and Jay-Z and he played them both. And 40 can't really compete with stuff like that. that that's really, absolutely. And um, one thing I do like about Short is his collaboration with uh, Eric Sermon. I don't know if they ever played it, but uh, yeah. the Bayou Some, did, I don't know yeah. if they, 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 they did play did. that. They did yeah. play that, yeah. That sure was did. a, yeah, that was a shocking collaboration when it came out at the time. I'm like, oh, Short got with um, EPMD? Yeah. Right, and that, that song goes too. Two, two short verses, amazing on that. He wrote it that. Is. It really, really, and that's what was so surprising to me because, again, coming from the era, you you heard, <laughs> I kind of dated myself by saying, you know, the first verses I checked out was uh, DJ Premier and RZA because 
that yeah. that kind of East Coast hip hop really has appealed to me in addition to, uh, you know, our coast out here. And so to hear short rhyming on sort of a sort of an East Coast tight drum, uh, really crisp sound. Um, it, it was fascinating. It was an interesting collaboration and it worked. It worked mm -hmm. overtime. And speaking of collaborations, uh, I got to give two shortest props too for collaborating with the great Parliament Funkadelic on his 10th album oh, yeah. with, um, sure uh, oh my God, Gidnit. I mean, yeah. he did two collaborations with them. Uh, the late, great Gary Scheider and Parliament. Uh, it, it just worked, man. So I'm yeah. just happy that it, it came off as well as it did. And yeah. um, he and you mentioned, uh, and we didn't even talk movies uh, uh, too much. In addition to the Boots Riley movie, uh, what about us? You know, the Jordan Peele oh, yeah. movie that was like just featured the Bay Area prominently. And the reason why he selected the song by the Loonies, I Got Five on it, <laughs> was simply because it was such a dope classic uh, Bay Area song. And so yeah. Yeah. there's so much to appreciate from Northern California music. And uh, I'm just glad that you have been here to really soak it up and uh, yeah, some, some wisdom and, and light on us. Uh, how soon can we expect to hear another podcast from you, your next episode? Uh, you're doing some wonderful stuff out there to keep the culture alive in the midst of coronavirus and the shutdown and distance learning and distance work and working from home. Um, yeah. How are you going to next uh, enlighten us or how soon I should say, will you next enlighten us with uh, the next dropping of your podcast? Yeah, thanks, man. Now, the, the Now Slapping podcast, that's N-O-W-S-L-A-P-P-I-N, Spotify and all that, um, is a podcast I started, like you said, to to educate on hip-hop. So I play songs and play artists and tell you who they are. I recently kind of slowed down just in doing a little bit more research and trying to make sure that I'm honoring the artist right, you know what I mean, and not breaking any copyright or creating any copyright infringements. Oh, So I've kind of slowed down there on that, but I um, host a clickbait. C L I C C B A I T mm -hmm. podcast and mm -hmm. sports counterpoints podcast, um, both being conversational, clickbait being mm -hmm. just uh, a bunch of my friends talking topics, sports counterpoints being a couple of family members talking sports, uh, Brian and, and Jason. So it's been uh, the music one. I'm figuring out what that's going to look like because I okay. do want to bring you know information to the people, and that's what makes it fun, right? Talking to you said at mission, speaking to your point earlier about MC Hammer and you know artists like that who you sometimes forget are from the Bay and how we're influential. That's so right, um, right, yeah. You know, it, it'll be in some iteration, but I just appreciate everybody's support always. Oh, always. Well, we're gonna be blowing the whistle on that for a long time to come, good yes, brother. And uh, do you have a personal uh, contact social media presence, or should people just uh, look for these podcasts? Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, so at now slapping on Twitter. Um, N-O-W-S-L-A-P-P-I-N and at Cali G-B, C-A-L-I-G-B on Twitter. Absolutely. Um, yeah, GTBoy2020 at Gmail. So yeah, I appreciate everybody for, for checking it out. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you. I've learned from you, good brother. I mean, Thanks, you, I'm, I always keep an, you know what I'm saying? I always keep an open mind because you never know. You, you think you know something until you talk to somebody who's kind of specialize in a particular region. It's like before leaving LA, Glenn, I didn't know nothing about Pittsburgh yeah. uh, in Northern California. It doesn't have, a, in the day. Yeah. you know what I'm saying? It doesn't have an H yeah. at the end of that one, but the one on the East coast right. of Pennsylvania does, you know, I didn't know nothing about no Benicia, didn't yeah. hardly any, know anything about Vallejo. In fact, I always tell this funny story, Glenn. It's like when I moved, when I knew I was leaving LA to come up North, 
uh, people said, okay, go to these areas, but these areas definitely avoid. Don't go to Oakland, don't go to Vallejo. And the very first place I went was Vallejo. Oh, man. Because I'm gotcha. that kind of dude. I needed to do my laundry, man. I went to the grimiest area I could. I said, you know what? I ain't playing. It's like, I got to get my laundry done. And little did I know where I was moving in, there was a laundry uh, facility right across the street. Oh, <laughs> I, didn't, wow. I didn't even have to take chances like that. But Vallejo is a beautiful city. Uh, this versus battle just further highlights uh, the level of talent coming from this region. And uh, good brothers like Glenn Boyd, ladies and gentlemen, have helped us to further appreciate the cultural relevance, contribution, the significance of this art form from this area. And I, I just want to wish you continued success, good brother. Thank you for educating me and uh, keeping us informed, good brother. Uh, will you come back again and join us on Psychotic Bump School? Oh, most certainly if you have me, man. Thank you so much for um, a chance to, to speak with you on the show, man. I well, appreciate you. Absolutely. And I appreciate your moms for introducing you to Too Short. Yeah, <laughs> this is KCWG, <laughs> the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was the big brother Glenn Moore, y'all. Stick with some more. We'll be right back after this. I go on and on. Can't understand how I last so long. I must have superpowers. Rap 225,000 hours. Get a calculator, do the math. I made a thousand songs that made you move you. And for the last 300 months, I made 16 albums with me on the front. And they bump. Where you get your beats? I heard 93 rappers say, like me. Two singers and 10 comedians. And I'm still gonna yell at every time you see me in. What's my favorite word? Why they gotta say it like short? You know they can't play on my court. Can't hang with the big dog, stay on the porch. Blow the whistle. Yes, we are back. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome, and I'm very excited to have this next panel. We all on this panel had a chance to witness something very, very historic over the weekend. And it's a continuation of the versus battles that have been started by two iconic producers, Timbaland and Swiss Beats. And I brought this panel together to help me have a discussion about the one we just had over the weekend between DJ Premier and the RZA. So to help me have this conversation, I am excited to have both of these guests on for the very first time. Ladies first, this kind sister is just a legendary, historic party rocker. Uh, Y'all have seen her all around throughout the scenes, and uh, you know she can get it done on those turntables. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School, the good sister, DJ Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa, are you there? Yes, I am. How you doing? I'm good, sis. Good to hear your voice. And my good brother is also known throughout the scene. He's a filmmaker. He's an intellect, very conscious brother, and he is deep in the game as well. So also welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School, the good brother, Mr. Jonathan Lindsley. Mr. Lindsley, are you there? Hey, how you doing, bro? What's happening? What's happening? We are cool in the gang. I think you know DJ Mona Lisa already. How in the oh, world yeah. are y'all doing? Well, first, let's check in because we, we're going through something right now, y'all. This coronavirus thing, we're sheltering in place. Um, we don't get a chance to get out and see our folks no more. So how y'all doing? Mona Lisa, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm going to take it one day at a time. Come on. That's all we can do, right? Jonathan, you too? Yeah, you know what? I mean, uh, it, it, it's it's pretty. This is a brand new paradigm for me, but uh, I'm I'm grinding through it. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. I'm just trying to keep a, a a daily schedule. You know what I'm saying? Keep some kind of routine going. 
And uh, this is certainly going to help me because uh, I had a chance, Mona and Sean, to watch the battle of producers, beat makers, that was featured this past weekend on Instagram Live. And I want to talk to you all about that <laughs> on Instagram Live between two legendary producers, the RZA, a.k.a. Prince Rakim, a.k.a. Bobby Digital <laughs> of the Wu-Tang Clan, RZA versus DJ Premier, legendary producer and DJ beat maker of Gangstar and so many other beats that we all know and love. Premier versus RZA. When you first heard about this sound clash, if you will, Mona Lisa, what were your thoughts about your anticipation going into that, uh, the, the, the quality and caliber of that particular matchup? What were your thoughts going into that? And then I want to hear from Jonathan. Well, I knew it was going to be crazy because they're both legendary, of course. But, um, I mean, I, I just just hearing the name, I mean, it was hard to think because I came from Wu-Tang. One of the first records that I worked on was Wu-Tang's first album, um, Into the 36 Chambers. Okay. So it was kind of like being back home. But I'm thinking as a hip-hop head, like, wow, like, I got like where I came from versus what I grew up on versus all of the just it was just a lot of mixed emotions like I was excited to see like you know who was gonna win because they both got so much so many powerful songs it was like it was just exciting mm. for me yeah and I was seeing a flyer Sean that was that had like King Kong and Godzilla on it it was it was kind of <laughs> like that right a big old Godzilla stomp what were your thoughts Sean when you saw you know what's funny you, you just you just took me back uh Mona, I think that was the first time when I actually met you. I was at Loud Records back in the day, yes. day working under Bigger B. Yes, sir. Uh, on, on the street team, and 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 that was one of the first records that he gave me to to go out and promote and try to break wow. on the West Coast. So it was okay. like, yeah, I mean, you know, the RZA is is such a uh, a, a, a huge colossal part of hip hop. But yes. also Premier is as well. So, I mean, the, the King Kong, um, Godzilla analogy worked perfect because it's like, yo, these two cats are titans in their own, you know, um, Premier. Yeah. I remember the first time I heard a Premier beat, it, 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 it was like, uh, what was it, just to get a rep? And, and I was like, yo, yeah. this, is, this is dope. Like, you know, in the Gangstar situation. And I was like, man, like, and I was hooked ever since. So yeah. it was kind of, I don't know, like I felt like, I felt like the, it, while, while these two are, are titans, mm -hmm. it was kind of like they're, they're different genres in a sense, like they're different kinds of producers. Right. Um, yes. So I was interested to see how they were going to like go hit for hit. Well, talk about that a little bit. And what, what distinguishes them in terms of production style? What would make you say that? Well, first of all, I mean, RZA rarely ever works with anybody outside of Wu-Tang mm -hmm. because he crafted a sound that is uniquely Wu-Tang. Like, right. uh, on all of the nine artists, on all their albums, it, 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 there's a similar, there's a unifying sound. Yes. Um, and, you know, sometimes he deviates a little bit but there's still those fingerprints that he puts on the music that lets you know, like, oh, like right when you hear it, like, oh, this is a Wu-Tang beat. Kind of like, right. it's ironic because him and Quentin Tarantino hook up and it's kind of like a Quentin Tarantino movie where you, you, you could just listen to it for a little while and you'd be like, oh, this is Quentin Tarantino. Absolutely. Like, 
Right. And, and the RZA is like that. Um, mm. Premier is like that, in, in, but he exports his sound to yeah. other people where you know it's a Premier beat, but you mm-hmm. might hear Jay-Z rocking on it or, or Nas or, or Biggie. Right. But, but, but you, he has his signature, like his scratches, you know, right. like, like we're, we're, you know. So that's, I guess that's the distinction between them is that RZA rarely exports his sound outside of Wu-Tang where Premier is kind of mercenary like that. Mm-hmm. I agree, Mona Lisa. Um, well, I, what do you think about that? Because well, when I, I first heard s- about it, I thought it was going to be a mismatch for that very reason. Go ahead, Mona. Well, no, because they're both, they both come from the same era, but they just have different ways of going about it, their execution. Um, RZA's songs and RZA's production is more movie-like because he, he uses a lot, of, a lot of samples, of course, from movies, but the way he structures his sound and the way he lays his samples and the way he just layers the music, it's like a movie. So it kind of mm-hmm. it catches you in the beginning and then you kind of hang on because you want to see how the movie ends. It's just that's oh, how the songs yeah. are structured. But then Premier uses so many different, he chops up so many different little pieces. Like he, he scratches, um, he does signature scratches, um, phrase, phrase scratching. So he brings in different elements of different songs. So he's kind of telling you a story. But mm-hmm. Riz is like a movie and Premier is kind of like a, like, a, like a short storyteller. So it's kind of different, Absolutely. but it's still the same kind of dynamic. It's just they approach it different ways, but it's kind of the same, the same Absolutely. kind of um, style. Absolutely. Mona, you remember the first time you heard a premiere beat, whether it was with, uh, I guess it would have been Guru, because uh, like Sean said, just to get a rep, he did a couple of songs prior to that. What do you recall about the first time you heard premiere once you knew it was him? And uh, which song was it? Can you recall? Um, Words I Manifest. There you go. Yeah, because it's it's the, just I could tell the pattern just like when I used to listen to Premiere and I could also mention Pete Rock in this, the way they layer songs, they have a signature way of doing it so that you know it's their production. They mm. lay the, the the they loop the the the, the um I'm sorry, they loop the chorus and then mm. scratch in a phrase. And then Pete Rock always has mm. horns. There's like certain horns he always uses and yes. certain snares he always uses. So you can tell by by the way they layer their stuff exactly who is doing it. Ooh. So when I heard uh, Words I Manifest, and then you hear uh, Check the Technique, and then you hear Take a Rest, and then yes. you hear Just to Get a Rep, like they're all layered the same kind of way. Like Just to Get a Rep has the, um, I'm completely drawing a blank right now, but it's got the um, the loop, the Eva loop in the, in yes. the, um, in the chorus. Monty. And then right. and it's got the scratch and stick up kids is out to tax. So yeah. like there's always a, a phrase over it with a loop underneath it when he does his hooks. Wow. Y'all getting some hip hop history right here. Mona Lisa and Jonathan Lindsay. Well, uh, let's talk about it. Uh, like I said, Timbaland and Swiss Beast, two, you know, renowned figures in their own right came together. And uh, I can't recall because I kind of came in kind of late. I did not see the first one. And I guess that would have been T-Pain versus, uh, oh, darn it, I'm draw- drawing a blank now, Lil John, And then they did Scott Storch versus Manny Fresh. Didn't see either one of those. And so I know coming up is going to be Teddy Riley, Teddy Riley and Babyface, but I did catch this one. So focused on this one. This was Primo, DJ Premier versus RZA. I was anticipating it was going to be a little bit one-sided for all the reasons that you two just kind of laid out. But I was curious because I am such a big fan of Wu-Tang, also for all the reasons that you both mentioned. So I'm sitting in front of my Instagram chair, (laughs) ready for this battle to start. And I thought 
uh, right out of the gate. Uh, Premier came out strong and RZA, you know, he had some sound issues to get through. Um, but he let his presence be known. They kind of eased into it. And uh, I sent y'all a track list of how it went down. And I'm not going to go through it one by one. But as you think about um, the two of these guys, these two titans, if I can borrow Jonathan's terms, um, wh why is this so meaningful to us? I mean, obviously, we don't have much else to do. But when I hear <laughs> side by side a song like Cream or uh, what was the other big one that they had? There, there were several. But when he follows that with like Mass Appeal by Premier, I mean, those songs matter and they resonate for some really specific reasons. You guys are out there in the scene. You guys have been uh, in the community with this music. And so you know how the crowds react when something like Cream or Ice Cream comes on or Dwick. So break down as you're sitting and watching this, Mona, uh, what was immediately drawn to your attention when you first started to really see, once RZA got past all that technical problem, uh, in what way were you reacting to what you were seeing, feeling, and experiencing? And then how did it evolve from there? Let me take well, I, Mona Lisa and then Sean on that. Well, I was in and out. Um, I didn't watch the whole thing. I didn't stay with it the whole time. I kept going in and out because I was trying to hear like any anecdotes of how the songs are structured or anything like that. And there was a couple of stories with nothing that not to sound spoiled, but nothing that I hadn't, that I wasn't already familiar with. But um, um, I was, it, it, it took me back to a time. And the thing that I always say about um, that particular time in the 90s when all this stuff was going on is that we experienced something that nobody had ever seen before. And now a lot of people are, are kind of spoiled or um, um, used to a certain thing. So when, you know, newer hip hop comes out, they can say, oh, I don't like that. I don't like this, whatever. But when Mass Appeal was first created and when um, Protect Your Neck was first created, we'd never heard anything like that before. Like that was, there was nothing that was, that was existing like that before. That's why it was so powerful when it came out. Mm -hmm. So when they were playing those tracks, it took everybody that I talked to, it took everybody back to that time when they first heard it. Like yeah. it, it didn't matter that they, they might've heard it yesterday, they might've heard it the day before on their Spotify. But the fact that the person that created it was playing it for them in front of them it took them back to the first time they ever heard it. Mm. And it's like, once every once each person dropped the song, it took you back to the first time that you heard it. And you had to think of it that way. When you're thinking of a battle of them going back and forth, it's like, the first time you heard this song, the first time you heard that song, going back and forth, and then you really had to judge who the winner was. I mean, I was thinking when it first started, I'm thinking Premiere's gonna take this because Premiere's done so many different things with different right. artists, from all from Christina Aguilera all the way to Group Home. Mm -hmm. It's done Wu-Tang. That's right. He's done all the different people in Wu-Tang, but he's just done Wu-Tang. So I'm thinking it's going to be premiere because he's got the vast catalog and Riz is just stuck to his family, which is nothing wrong with that. But it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, well, we know, we know what Wu-Tang sounds like. And we know what that is, but premiere has gone so many different ways over here. But then once they started going for song for song, it was like, oh, wait a minute. I right. forgot how dope that song is, though. Even though, you know, it's RZA and it's Wu-Tang, but I forgot how dope he laid that. I forgot how that production was. Ooh. Right. And again, it took you back to the first time you heard it and you got to take it apart. Like, you didn't, you didn't listen to it like you would be listening to it in your car or at the gym or whatever. You were listening to it, like, the first time and you had to retrain your brain to, you know, to hear it like it was the first time. That's right. 
Sean, I'm looking at that uh, playlist that I sent Mona and you, and by the time I got to round four, uh, that's about when uh, this scorecard finally went to Rizzo when uh, he dropped Wu Gambinos and Premier hit him with Big L's uh, The Enemy. Uh, pick up right there where Mona left off. What, what kind of flashbacks did you experience as you were seeing this, uh, the beginning of this sound clash unfold? Well, I mean, so for me, this is the soundtrack of me coming from adolescence into adulthood. This is like uh, Premiere um, and Gangstar. That was, that was childhood. That was like BET, uh, Rap City with, with yes. the mayor, Chris. I forgot his last name. But, <laughs> Chris Thomas? But, yeah, Chris, what, what, Chris was Thomas. The, what was the dude? Was that, was that his name? Yeah, he was in, yeah, he was in yeah, Public yeah. Enemies I mean, video. Yeah, I was a little kid watching, you know, these, I was, first of all, I'm from Los Angeles. So being exposed to New York hip hop, it was always cinematic to me. Every time I was watching a video because it's so unlike LA, you know, New York is like a whole different place. You got these cats grimy in these buildings with smoking blunts. And, you know, we had just a whole different vibe out here. So yeah. I got really like enamored with the sound and the music um, from the music videos. So yeah, like I, like uh, Mona was saying, when you hear him premiere and he's telling the stories and you seeing him go through it, it's like, man, this dude is walking me through my childhood right now. Like I can remember the first time I saw uh, 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 Words I Manifest. I remember sitting in front of the TV. I remember the, the exact moment that, that it came on. So. That's right. This whole experience of seeing these two cats, it was it was personal for me because I'm like, man, like I don't even really want to root for either or because just as Premier, you know, and Gangstar kind of kind of I wouldn't say took a back seat, but you had Wu Tang that just came in and really defined a generation. And I I think to this day, I was when I was working with um Dame Dash, um he, we had a conversation and he said, he asked us, he said, what is the biggest brand in hip hop? And, you know, everybody's sitting around like, uh, you know, is he, is he fishing for a compliment? Does he want to say rock? And he was like, nah, it's Wu-Tang. And it was like, mm. and I thought about what he was saying and I'm like, yeah, he's right. Like that, that, that symbol is global when you see that W. So mm. seeing these two cats, seeing RZA, you know, in his house, you know, just basically like, like, let me just take you through my, my greatest hits collection. I mean, that was special. You know what I mean? I mean, and, right. for, and for Primo as well. Um, just, just because of, you know, Guru passing and, 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 and so forth and all the stuff that he did. And, and in my, in, in my opinion, extending beyond Gangstar, that, that, you know, cause Gangstar was his group, but Premier developed a reputation outside of Gangstar, That's independent right. of Gangstar. And yeah. um, that was another thing that kind of showed in the battle. It was like, there was some Gangstar tracks, but it was a lot of other tracks. Absolutely. You know? And that takes me to the next point, because Mona, you said a lot of the storytelling that they did in between the tracks, uh, a lot of that stuff you already knew. Uh, what surprised you? Uh, I was surprised by the Kanye connection that both of them had. Uh, what stood out for you that kind of caught you off guard, Mona? And then uh, I want Sean to take that one too. I didn't honestly didn't hear um, anything that was that was super 
I didn't, I don't remember. I just was, like I said, I was jumping in and out, so I didn't hear any stories, but okay. um, there was a couple of things that they had said about uh, what was going on during the time that the songs were out, but that was about it. But I didn't hear anything specific. Right. And I knew that they had, they had both worked with Naj. Jonathan, how about you? Um, any surprises, anything unexpected that you didn't know before well, you heard that? It, it, I, I wouldn't say surprises and like, oh, wow, like I didn't know that. But um, more along the lines of what you were just saying, like the surprise was how formidable RZA was against Premier beat for beat. You know what I mean? Like that was, that was the surprise to me because, yeah, I did have preconceived notions. I was like, eh, yeah, it's dope. But for the same reasons that Mona said, I think Premier is just going to run away with this. And then when you actually see RZA kind of getting into it and you see his vibe, you see, and you hear the music playing and, 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 and it's like, it's like, yeah, that, that, you know, even though they're all Wu-Tang artists, I think what people forget is that Wu-Tang is a group, but it's also these individual artists who were amazing in their own right. You know what I mean? Like, right. like the legendary even like yes. uh, that, that ghost face, both of those ghost face, those two first albums, um, Supreme Clientele and Iron Man. I mean, the production on there was bananas. And we didn't even talk about the Purple Tape, like how that just kind of like redefined what hip hop was in that very moment. So he's just digging in the crates and, and, and he's reminding you in a way like, like, yo, yeah, like I'm very important to this culture. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's right. But you know what? That's, I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't realize that Cuban Link had also been recalled as the purple tape. I didn't realize that people were uh, superseding that title over only built for Cuban link. I mean, before <laughs> this Instagram, I didn't know that. I thought it was a pretty wide known fact how to find that album by name. So <laughs> purple okay. tape all day. <laughs> purple, purple tape all tape. day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's also people, people have, everybody's kind of conceded that that's the best of the solo albums because it's oh, like consistent from start to finish. I mean, Supreme Clientele, you can't take nothing away from that, but the problem with Supreme Clientele, not to get off the subject, but the problem with Supreme Clientele was that the track listing was different on the CD than it was on the record. So everybody was hella confused when they first tried to listen to it. <laughs> uh -huh. That song, and this ain't that song, what is this? Like everybody was thoroughly confused, but right. it's a great album, like that messed everything up. But that, but that Cuban Links album from start to finish is nothing but fire. Oh, it's solid, solid yeah. all the way through. I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, go but, uh, I, I wanted to touch on the um, the surprise uh, element too. Yeah. Um, that I thought, and this is where a lot of people had the same same feeling. A lot of people I talked to is that when they were going round for round, there was a part where where I think we were talking about round four when when he played Wu Gambino's, but um, Premier played Big L's The Enemy, and that's not like a song that everybody knows. That's right. So, so everybody was kind of like, well, why would he go with that song? And people felt like Premier was kind of holding back, like he wasn't bringing all his full guns. He kind of came back okay. around later on, but they felt like he was kind of holding back, trying to see what RZA was going to do. I RZA agree. was dropping nothing but hits. Well, you, you both spin. So did, how much did you think that he was kind of vibing off of RZA? Like he played tracks that were complimentary in, in many ways, because when you're putting sets together, you want to kind of connect the dots for the listeners so that you don't jar them from song to song. 
And there was so much respect. I guess that's what I appreciated about what Premier did to that effect, Mona. He mm-hmm. complimented and ex- accentuated essentially what RZA was playing just before him. I actually love that. See, see I, 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 I read it different. Okay. I read it, I read it like, like a bid with a spades player where you're trying to see what this other person's about to do. You know what I'm saying? You got, you're trying to see what, what, what card they're about to drop yeah. so that you know how to, you know how to come with it. And I mm-hmm. felt like Premier was a lot more gamier, like in mm-hmm. terms of like, he was, he was really there for the challenge. You know what I mean? And, oh. and I felt like RZA was kind of just like, like this is a chance for me to just really, you know, showcase my catalog where I felt like Premier, because it, even I, I watched the replay uh, blow by blow that they did on with Ebro. And mm. even they noticed that like when RZA would drop a track, they were like, oh yeah, you know, Premier's taking a second. It, it wasn't like he had his track list set up. He was fishing for like, okay, let me yes. do this to that. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. So it was like more of a like touche kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And he was pacing himself because he, unlike RZA, he was actually keeping score and keeping track of the number of songs that they were playing. Because originally, <laughs> yeah. it was supposed That's to be what a I'm saying. He was, was all in. Like, he, he was, was in, in battle mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was like, I, I am going to say, that. you're right, you're right. He's like, he had his ace in the hand waiting. He was like, okay, I was waiting for you to play that one. And then he could drop what he had in mind. But yeah, he was keeping track with his man, so he knew that he didn't want to burn himself out too quick. It literally felt like a boxing match, because, you know, feel them out the first couple of rounds and then you start throwing some shots to see what they can take. And then you take them out in the deep water and then you start hitting them. And people were surprised that like, uh, what what's the song uh, that he did with Mary J. Blige? I'm talking about RZA now. You're, you're, all, I need you're, all, you're all I need. Yeah. He didn't even play that within the first 20. And I, I think it spoke to perhaps he was kind of saving it and he was kind of feeling it and not keeping track. Cause remember Sean, he kept asking premier, Hey, what, what song are we on? What song are we on? How deep you want to go? How far you want to go? So yeah. I kind of like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's reaching into his catalog. He and the fact that he didn't have to play that, you know what I mean? Like that's, exactly. that just shows you how how many songs. Like you you forget that he that it's these nine guys and they all had albums and they all had, well I would say the majority of them had hits off them albums. That's you right. know, that's multiple right. singles. Yes, <laughs> and. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, and so many of them went on to have such successful solo careers when you think about it. I mean, you got nine members strong in that one group. And with the exception of Inspector Deck and New God, who are also awesome MCs themselves, uh, everybody in that group has sold millions and millions of records. And it all stemmed from this one super group with RZA at the helm behind that production board. If we did a little fantasy football or fantasy matchups, I saw some speculation that Ja Rule is challenging 50 Cent. Um, do, you two, do you two have any thoughts on either that or some potential future matchups that you would like to see in the future? Maybe I already told, rocking somebody? Go ahead, Mona. I already told Diamond D that I want him and Large Professor to do a break-off. Like Come on. for them to play, to play breaks, all breaks on 45s or just breaks, period. Because they're both <laughs> their sample game, their sample game is is unfadable, both of them. Wow. So I wanna I mean I think Diamond D would take it, but the large professor ain't no punk either. But I exactly. think that they that for them to have a break off would mm-hmm. be incredible because their production as much as I love both of them as producers and MCs and everything, mm-hmm. they're not as as 
I'm not going to say as well known, but as right. I guess popular or whatever. They're not the go-to guys or whatever, but they're both so underrated as 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 producers and MCs mm-hmm. to me. But I think that people would appreciate more to see their break knowledge, and mm. I think that would be something to see. Absolutely. Um, and then Pete Rock, gosh, I mean, the only person I would put against Pete Rock is Dilla, uh, God rest his soul. Um, right. But Pete, right. I mean, Pete Rock and Premier, but I mean, Primo's already done right. one, so I mean, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't know where to. I don't know. It's hard to say. It is. It is hard to say. And to her point, Sean, I was watching and I think the the analytics said somewhere between 184,000 and 200,000 for the whole thing. I mean, there were a lot of. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was a study. It was a study like, like high 180s to 200s. It was people flipping in and out. But, but what but about those I, names? Yeah, but what about those names she put out there? And do you have a couple you could throw out there in terms of a fantasy ma- matchup between aspiring producers? Well, I mean, I love, I love the the the, the Pete Rock Dilla, and I I, I think that that would, would be you know epic if if someone could 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 rep on behalf of Dilla, you know, and 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 oh, okay. and, and do and do it justice, um, right? Uh, and not shortchange it, but. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I thought it's a couple. Like, my mind has been going bananas with these matchups. And and on, mm-hmm. on different levels, um, there's different levels, you know what I'm saying, like, in terms of, like, popularity and, 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 and crap. But, like, on one level, I would love to see, like, the Alchemist and Ooh. Havoc of, of Mob Deep. Like, I, wow. I'd, love, I'd love to see those two cats go at it beat for beat. On, hmm. on, on, on some on some like you know like street level grimy and like on another level like if we was going like like bright lights big city hmm. i'd love to see um kanye and pharrell like that okay. would be yeah i could see that yeah kanye and pharrell would be that would yeah. be perfect. i, I think that. that would be entertaining you know what i mean because mm-hmm. because of both what they because kanye he has the his own personal catalog and then he has like you know what he's done for everybody else Absolutely. But, um, and obviously, the, 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 I, I wouldn't consider Diddy a producer, per right. se, although yeah. he puts his names on tracks. Yeah. But the, 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 the monster matchup would be Diddy versus Dre. Like, we, like, like mm-hmm. just to see, the, just for these two guys to reach in their catalogs and right. say, okay, I'm going to play this one. You, okay, you play that one. You know, that would be... Yes. Pretty, you know what I'm saying, colossal. Like, how, how, how would you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Absolutely. The, the other one I want to see, though, is Jermaine Dupri versus Diddy, because they both ran the 90s pretty much as far as the club scene. Okay. Like 96 to 2000. I hmm. think that see, would I be think great. Diddy would, I think Diddy, I think, I think, I think Diddy would just kill. <laughs> like, I don't like, know. I, mean, I don't like, know. Like, mm. I mean, you think about it, like, like, like how many artists Bad Boy had, like, like, Carl, like Diddy could go into the R&B. And but just, so can just, J- so can Jermaine Dupri. They, I mean, they, I'm not, not going to say Jermaine Dupri would win per se, but it would be a nice battle. <laughs> it would be, it would yeah. Be nice. it, it, it would be. See, that's that's what I, that's that's the thing that where Diddy could take Dre out of his element because Dre doesn't mm. have the R and B that that Diddy has. That's true. Dre doesn't have that that big base of R and B. I mean, you know, um, and wow. then Diddy has the hip hop to mm-hmm. go with it. So that's why I, th- I think that would be, but yeah, I mean, you know, just the fact that we get to experience, yes, like you know what I mean, like 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 the verses, like and it's, and it's all done in good and good fun, you know what I mean, like that's it's the not, thing. 
there's no vitriol there. There's no, it's just right. like it's just like represent. You know what I mean? Like yes. and let and let the crowd decide. Right. I love that. I do too. Well, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was the incomparable Jonathan Lindsay. And we also have the good sister, DJ Mona Lisa. The New York Times side Staying alive was no job Had second hands Moms bounced on old men So then we moved to Shallon land A young youth You're rocking the gold tooth Low goose Only way I begin to G York Was blue And let's start it like this son Rolling with this one And that one Pulling out for fun But it was just a dream For the team Who was a fiend Started smoking at 16, and running up in gates and doing hits for high stakes, making my way on fire skates. No question, I was speed for and weed. The combination made my eyes bleed. No question, I would flow off and try to get the dough off. Sticking up right, boys, on war court. My life got no better. Same damn low sweater. Times is rough and tough like leather. Figured out I went the wrong route. So I got with a sick tight click and went all out. Catching keys from cross seas, rolling in MPVs every week. We made 40 G. Yo, brothers, respect mine. I ain't gonna tech now. Bow, move from the gate now. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, yo. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, yo. KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was the incomparable Jonathan Lindsay. And we also have the good sister, DJ Mona Lisa. And we're just talking about the versus battles that we've been seeing across Instagram Live. Uh, we're, we started off talking about uh, DJ Premier and RZA, but we've sort of uh, expanded the conversation now to talk about some fantasy matchups that we may have. Y'all have named some good ones. And uh, Sean, I couldn't agree more with what you just said, because that's why I would have concerns with Ja Rule versus 50. You know, I I want it to be positive. I don't even know what would pop off between those two, because the beef between them has been no secret over the years. Too much bad blood. Too much bad blood. I agree. (laughs) So one name that I thought you both, I know you haven't forgotten, because I I respect both of y'all's game. So I, I know this is, you know, you didn't say it, but I know you're thinking of it. 
Uh, how about Q-Tip and somebody else, just as a prolific beat maker in his own right? For years, I didn't know that was him making the beats for Tribe Called Quest. I always, always thought it was Ali Shaheed Muhammad or Skep Ansem or something like that. But it, it was Tip. Uh, any votes in a matchup against Q-Tip of a Tribe Called Quest? Who could go in the ring with him? Mona Lisa I think or that I think he could go against either, and this is, again, people that are unsung and, and not the most popular, but it, but have made hits that people don't know about. Yeah. It's either Dave West or Salam Remy. Salam Remy did... Wow. did stuff for countless people in the 90s of course and then Dave West did most of De La Soul's production so it would make sense for them to go up against him but I mean it's you know it's again it's having a fun battle versus who's gonna win right you know Mm. I think I think I think Tip and Pete Rock all the way okay I was thinking that 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 would be that would be epic Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you, you I mean you know um and 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 it could be a surprise because you know Right away, you would say, "Oh, Pete Rock," but then Tip could surprise you, you know, with 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 a bunch of hits that that he came that you didn't know he produced, you know. Ooh, that I will. That I would have to lean toward <laughs> Tip in that one because he's gone so far outside of um, Tribe to include artists like Nas. But look at Pete. I mean, Pete has done uh, his own with CL. He did the Heavy D stuff, and just in his own right, I mean, he's done some stuff. I don't know if those were collaborations or he actually produced Heavy, but I know they're family, but that would be a, a fascinating matchup. And I went as far as, um, so, you know, I already mentioned Teddy Riley and Babyface, but I also went as far as like, man, you know, since I'm a kind of an older head now, I was thinking, now who's still around from the 70s and 80s that would make a pretty interesting matchup? So I was tossing some names around. Mona and Sean, <laughs> work with me here because, you know, I'm a, I, I got a 70s brain here going on too. They're still around. And before this shutdown, I believe they were still touring. So what do y'all think about this? Uh, the Isley Brothers versus Charlie Wilson and the Gap Band? Or... It wouldn't be... I, I couldn't pick a winner. <laughs> like I couldn't pick a winner. Like that, that would just be uh, an experience. Right. Yeah, it, absolutely. I mean, but the catalog, the catalog would have to go in the direction of the Isley Brothers. But then you could put the Isley Brothers versus Everybody Fire. I, I would come on. Ooh, come on. <laughs> I was thinking that. I was thinking that. How about? Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Um, Gamble and Huff versus. Oh, oh. Um, gosh, Gamble and Huff. Versus M2 Man Reggie Lucas. Yes. Well, I think that we, I think, didn't we lose Reggie Lucas not too long ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But M2 Man's still around. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be a good one. How about female singers or producers? Because I know, wasn't there a time when In Vogue went on tour with like SWV or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were just to have fun and you had no limits, uh, can you think of any uh, female vocalists or SWV versus TLC? We got to do you have to do that one. That was that was okay. what, it, what it was in the 90s. Right. Like like okay. it was those two. Like everybody mm-hmm. else was just kind of around the peripheral. Right. And it was like SWV and TLC. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think TLC kind of went on and extended beyond a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. they st- extended their careers. Yes. But still, SWV was no joke. And I love that mm-hmm. second SWV album. People sleep on that album. Mm-hmm. Oh. They sleep on that album, really, but okay. they all got dope stuff on them. 
Because the first one, the first SWV album, again, not to get off subject, but the first SWV album got remixed, got completely remixed. And then once that, once the remix happened, all the albums after that were kind of formatted, like in the mind of the remix, as opposed to the way, because the first one was just a bare bones album that was dope. But once everything got remixed, it made it 10 times better. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. And, and remember, they dropped they dropped another like uh, a remix album. What was that album where, where it had the with rain on it and 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 it had the the Diddy joint like yeah it was they, a remix album. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and so yeah, so they they SWB. You're right. They did kind of extend beyond just that that little that little moment in time. Mm-hmm. They had some hits. They did. So that second album. So the first album, Mona had "I'm So Into You" and all that. It also had mm-hmm. "Week" too, right? And and week, it had, it had "I'm So Into You." <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Yep. Right here, downtown. Right here. Okay, um, that's the one. Right here. Yeah. So maybe a year and a half ago, we had um, Good Brother James on the show. He actually does music licensing. He actually put together. Uh, I can't think of the brother that did the Right Here remix where they incorporated human nature in with Right oh, Here. Oh, man. You're so talking about Pharrell? a classic cut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What'd you say, Mona? Didn't Pharrell do that? No. Uh, oh, he's well, the voice. He's the voice. He's the one going S W V. Oh, that's him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Is that Pharrell? I didn't know that. That's Pharrell? Oh, yeah. snap. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. See, I, I'm, you're learning me something here, and I'm picturing that. I, that totally sounds like him. But yeah, we had the brother on the show that uh, helped put that uh, licensing together to make that project happen. Because, you know, how many times have we rocked that song at our events, that remix? It was just Mm -hmm. amazing. So, wow. Uh, One more thing, because when we talk about SWV and human nature, uh, it takes me to my final point, y'all. It takes me to the final one. If they were both here today, you know what the gargantuan matchup is of all time. We know we love our Stevie Wonder and our wonderful parties and everything, but there was one matchup and one matchup only that (laughs) defined the 80s for us on this panel right here. You know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Michael Jackson and I'm talking about Prince. What Mm -hmm. in the world, if it were possible, and we've played this out many times in our own respective circles, I'm sure, a sound clash between the respective catalogs of Michael Jackson and Prince how pray tell would that go down track for track? Well, I have this argument. I have this argument all the time, all the time. And the thing <laughs> is, Michael had amazing ability as an entertainer overall, mm-hmm. but Michael did not play any instruments. Right. Michael had a had had an amazing creative brain. He knew what he wanted. He knew how he wanted it to sound, and he had to get people to create what he wanted. So that's where mm-hmm. the Quincy Jones came in. That's where the Teddy Riley came in. That's where all the producers that came in to help him came in. Whereas Prince, if Prince wanted to do something, Prince sat down at the piano and played it and then picked up the guitar and played it and then picked up the drums and played it and then yeah. got on the keyboards and played it. So Prince, Prince to me gets the edge because he's he was able to create anything he wanted. And he gave us the time. He gave us Vanity Six. He gave us Sheila E. He mm-hmm. gave us so many different people, even going to Jesse Johnson and Tamara and the scene and you know, it just expands from there. Ooh. So I think song for song, I mean, if you want to include the Jackson family in mm-hmm. Michael Jackson and you could put, you could throw Janet in there, but Janet, Michael was not responsible for Janet. Janet mm-hmm. is Jimmy Janet, Terry Lewis, which again goes back to who Prince. So oh. it all, you know, it, it's, 
I think he gave us more and he was able to do more as, a, as an entity. Whereas Michael mm. just, you know, had the brain and had the talent, but mm. Prince was able to make everything, make more himself and give us more. Very so Prince would be dead. Absolutely. Jonathan Lindsay, your thoughts. Uh, see, and I, and I, I go, I go the other way <laughs> and, and for a different reason though, but for a totally okay. different reason. Okay. It's just because uh, the sheer impact that Michael had on music is it's just like when, when I mean you think about the thriller album and so the leap from off the wall to thriller is such a a a a a, a mega leap because mm -hmm. I mean off the wall is a dope album like it's a dope like if 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 it would have just stopped with off the wall we would still be like okay that's a dope album mm -hmm. but then thriller was such a i mean and, and, and so this is me as a kid you know what i'm saying like with, right. the, with the red jacket on and the, and the glove and all that and just hmm. like yo this dude took his imagination he was a musical version of walt disney like his imagination uh -huh. was so beyond yeah. where other artists were at that time mm -hmm. um i love prince and i respect prince as a musician for everything that mona said I just look at Michael as something like he 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 extended to larger than life. Mm. Uh, he became larger than life. Like all the things that he did uh, with the monkey and the mask and the 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 the, the, the interesting kids or you know like all of that like just it, it 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 went into his lore of like like this this this. You, the most unique person on on the planet. I mean, down to his skin color change. It was just so mm -hmm. much. There's so much to Michael as an artist, and then just to come back and drop butterflies. You know, after mm -hmm. you thought it was a rap, and then right. you know, and then that'd be just as dope as everything else. It's mm -hmm. just I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like Michael is a, a once in a lifetime. Well, well Prince is too, mm -hmm. but Michael just a once in a lifetime talent that the earth will never see the likes of again. And so, you know, it, it, Michael gets the edge for me mm -hmm. just because I think I grooved to more Michael. So I, I, I've listened to the battle. Now I listen to various DJs play that battle. Oh yeah. And, 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 and on the dance floor, I got to give it to Michael just on the dance floor. I'm not talking about just like, like listening in at your crib to the music. I'm talking about, when we get on the dance floor and they start just dropping Michael, mm -hmm. I got, I, I it, it, it's Mike. I, I, I got to get the edge to That's Michael, but not very... Michael. It, it's like one A, one B. You know what I mean? Like it ain't like, it ain't like no gap. Right, <laughs> right. Mona, I'm, I'm sure you uh, can attest to a little of that because I, I'm sure at some point, all three of us have seen Spinna do his uh, Prince versus Michael. <laughs> yeah. And what, I mean, I, I think I tend to, I mean, it was close, but Michael, he, he can resonate on the dance floor and he, he gets in your bones in a way that just, he, he's so steeped into the very fabric of our, our, our childhood and uh, culture in a way that Prince did in a different way because he came along later. But wow, Sean, I, I cannot deny the, the instrumentation and the versatility that Prince brought to it with the dancing, the singing, the falsetto, the vocal range, the musicality, the musicianship, 
and the, the movies, diversity, <laughs> the movies, graffiti <laughs> bridge, purple rain. And, you know, you know, oh, you, 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 right. That's what I'm saying. It's not like, it's not like, it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's the same thing to, to, to go full circle back to the RZA and Premier mm -hmm. uh, battle. And, 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 and what, what I was saying was there's two ways that you can judge it. You yeah. can judge the Premier battle and the RZA battle, and you can really judge the Michael and the Prince battle mm -hmm. on these two criteria. One is you can judge it strictly on the music of it, like, like with, the, with the, the sounds, the beats, the samples, all that. You can just judge it on that. And then there's another way that you can judge it, which you can look at each song and which, what impact these songs had on the culture at the time. Yes, that's like, right. so, so you can, you can, you can take, and, and that's, and that's kind of how, and when I look at the, the, the RZA premiere battle and I judge it from those two criteria, yeah. I can come out with two different winners. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. Interesting. I, it, it's, it's possible for me to come walk away. When, when I look at the, the impact of the songs that the Wu-Tang had, I, I, I say these songs were more impactful to the music, to the, to, to, to the culture than some of these more obscure songs that permit, like, like I love like living proof, but like yes. you had to kind of be ahead to like, you know oh, what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like to enjoy a lot of that. Did he even um, drop living proof? Let me look at this player. He did. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he did. Drop it it? Against, okay. Yeah. He did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. man. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to jump in real quick, just going to, before we get out of the Prince Michael Jackson conversation. Uh -huh. The one advantage, Sean already spoke on this, but I'm just emphasizing it. The one advantage that Michael had over Prince is that Prince's music was not for kids. It was not <laughs> for younger yeah. people. In my household, they, I was not allowed to watch cable. I was not allowed to watch certain right. things, but I could listen to Prince all day because it was Prince. It's like, it's Prince. Go ahead, dude. Right. I mean, there was the 1999 cover where he's he's laying on the bed and half his butt is hanging out of his pants yep. and they were like yep. hey whatever have at it it's prince but it's like exactly. in most households you couldn't listen to prince because his music wasn't for it wasn't for kids whereas michael was everything about michael was childlike from his from his whole mm -hmm. personality to his everything to his dancing to everything and it was something that resonated with kids so like me working in the record store people come in the store and their kids will come in the soul section and go oh my god it's michael jackson and I'm mm -hmm. like, wow, that kid already knows who Michael Jackson is. Right. And this is long after Michael passed and everything. But them same Crazy. kids aren't running over going, ooh, that's Prince. It's just a different mm. a different resonation. So that's one thing that is always going to be. Can I tell, tell a, a quick ahead. story? Every morning in the, in the fifth grade, I remember this is back when, when VHS, when, when you had the VHS and you had to write the little title on the, come, on come the VHS on. cover. That's right. And, um, my mom had purple rain and and she had it in her room and it was away from me to, to mona's point about like not having you know prince wasn't for the kids and every morning me and my friends would <laughs> would come uh to my house to pick me up from school and my mom would be at work and i would go in her room and get that tape and put it in the vcr and and just go to various scenes in that movie and we would all watch it and it was definitely Yes. If my mom knew, you know what I'm saying? I mean, and now I look back at it, and I'm saying it's tame. But I mean, at that mm -hmm. time for a kid, like, yeah, Prince was, that was real adult things, you know? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I loved, I loved that movie. 
that movie, mm-hmm. that movie, Purple Rain, is what really introduced me to Prince. You know what I mean? Like it was like mm-hmm. I was I was in fifth grade and I was watching and I loved those songs. So like like I said, these are both different parts of my childhood. <laughs> you know, Michael yes. Prince. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and they're, like you said, 1A, 1B. I mean, that sums it up really well because when you think about that arc that Prince had to travel to become more of a family-based entertainer, because when I saw him at the forum for all those series of concerts he did in, what year was that, 2011, 2012, or something like that, where he came and played at the forum, uh, there was a lot of children there. I mean, he had cleaned up his act, of course, in the late 90s, early 2000s, when he became a Jehovah Witness alongside uh, Larry Graham of a Graham Central Station. So he had really uh, converted his show to something of a a spectacle that the entire family could enjoy. But initially he certainly was not (laughs) uh, that kind of um, uh, artist. And then Michael himself, I mean, I don't know if y'all happen to see uh, This Is It, the documentary. And just watching him work uh, was something to behold as well, because while Jonathan is right, he, he didn't play instruments or um, I think Mona said that, but you could tell how connected he was to his band and the fact that he was so rhythmic and musical, even though he, he himself wouldn't go up to the keyboard and play something, but he could, you know, through his voice, through the, the mimicking of sounds and rhythmic patterns, he was able to convey exactly what he needed from the musicians around them to draw the best out of them. I like Quincy Jones, you know? So he was definitely a master and a genius at his craft as well. I love and miss them both. And uh, we'll never have two of those type of artists, uh, perhaps in this lifetime ever again. But while we're here, uh, before I let y'all go, um, we have Teddy Riley and Babyface coming up. Final thoughts on these versus battles. We've laid out who we kind of want to see. Either of you plan on checking out Teddy versus Babyface? Yeah, I, I want to see that because I'm, I, I can't, I, I tried to do it in my head and I tried to do it on paper a little bit. And I'm like, I can't even pick a winner because they both had so many, so many like powerful songs. I mean, it was like, it's, 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 it's hard. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard. I mean, I also would want to see Ellie and Babyface versus um, um, Jam and Lewis. Uh, ja- uh, Terry, yeah, exactly. Jam and Lewis. Yes. Yeah, that would come out. But yeah, um, I, I'm. I can't even, because there's so many Teddy Riley bangers, especially the stuff he did with Michael Jackson, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. then the Babyface and the Bobby Brown album, that whole Don't Be Cruel album. And yeah. The, wow, it's just, it's, wow. Because uh, both of them did that album. Both Teddy Riley and L.A. and Babyface did that album. That's that true. Just, that album itself tells you the battle's going to be great. That's true. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Sean, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Teddy versus Babyface? I'm sorry, hold on. My, I, I dropped the thing. It's like you dropped something. <laughs> uh, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. We have the incomparable, legendary DJ Mona Lisa and my good brother, the amazing creative Jonathan Lindsay. Uh, we would talk about Teddy and Babyface, man. Who you got? Man, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Um, and it's tough for so many reasons. Because initially you want to think that Teddy Riley has a sound, right? You want to think like, like he had a certain kind of fingerprint that he liked to put on his music. Mm-hmm. But then Mona just, just reminded me of all the various artists that he produced. And because and, and, initially when I go to Teddy Riley, I think immediately Guy. And then mm-hmm. I start 
And then my mind starts going like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that's right. He did that. He did that. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, it, it, but then you look at Babyface's catalog and you go, oh man, like, you know, Babyface. In, in addition to his own career, mm-hmm. all the people that he produced. So that one would really be, uh, it, it, it's, if I had to, to just see, if I just had to pick from a bias standpoint, I would probably pick Teddy Riley mm-hmm. because Teddy Riley more spoke to me and my generation. Yeah. But but still having respect for face. You know what I mean? Like like mm-hmm. it's not like like face is, is whack at, at all. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, he's one of the most phenomenal producers. Um and, and, and LaFace Records obviously gave us some of the some of the, you know, incredibly talented artists. Oh yeah. Um but yeah, I would I would I would give the edge to Teddy Riley. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. And again, for the same reason, for the for the, because I grew up on a dance floor listening to to, to most of the Teddy Riley stuff. You know what I mean? Like so right. I, I have a bias. I'm I'm on the I'm getting my groove on. And mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like some of the what I what I know face for is more like chill, like you know, what I'm saying, like like in my house, chilling. Well, or and R and B, right? I mean, the, right. the kind of spots that the three of us would hang out at. I mean, I'm sure we hung out in a multitude of places, but I, I know y'all from some of those more grimy spots, where it's like more underground hip hop, more of a boom bap kind of kind of vibe, you know. Mm-hmm. And Babyface didn't really touch those buttons as as much, unless you just happen to drop a slow song to take people back. He See, did. But- Go ahead. See, but Babyface, Babyface had some jams though. He had some. He had. Some, he did, they did pebble. They did pebbles. pebbles. They did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yep. So many, so many bangers. I mean, you know, you think of them as slow, but the up tempo stuff, like, um, what's the song by After Seven? Um, exactly. Oh, what was it? What's one the night, song? One yeah, night. No, the, no, the uh, first song. The first. The first. What's the song that they had? Uh, oh my God. Uh, Ready or not. I can't, uh, um, was it ready or not? Um, heat of the moment. Heat, heat of the, of the moment. moment. Okay. They wow. had heat of the moment. And then wow. Pebbles had all her jams. And then there's, uh, oh God, there's so you remember many the Mac, You remember the Mac band? Roses. Yeah, the Mac red. roses are red. Yeah. <laughs> and the boys. Remember the boys down my heart. Oh. Um, oh about yeah, that. He, he did do the boys. Huh? about that. Yeah, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, don't sleep on baby faces. A lot don't of, sleep lot of on dance floor songs. Wow. That's why I'm like. But who would you give it to? Who would you give it to if you just had to? That's pick what I'm saying. Her? I can't. I can't pick one. That's why I'm scared. I'm like, I don't. Because <laughs> I know the Teddy Riley. I grew up on the Teddy Riley side too, but I also mm-hmm. had the baby face banger. So it's like, it's hard. It's hard. It is. <laughs> Jonathan mentioned the labels. I mean, LaFace Records. That's we will we have Andre three thousand if LaFace oh. and um oh my God what what's What's the outcast group? It's Andre and Big Boy. Will we even have them? Will we have Goody Mob? I right. mean, CeeLo? I mean, they're... Right, you know what? Having that vision to see those Southern artists as viable because That's remember, right. that, remember hip-hop was dominated by New York and L.A. That's right. And then, and then outcast kind of eked into it. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. had the, 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 the two live crew and all mm-hmm. that in Miami, but that was something different. Outcast right. was like, 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 l- credible, legitimate hip hop, right? But from a southern perspective, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. I think it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna watch. I know some of the more uh, hardcore hip hop heads may not be as fascinated with that one, but 
I happened to catch Teddy Riley last year at the Essence Festival, and he played for a long set, brought out Dougie Fresh and the whole thing. So remember, he's the cat that brought us Dougie Fresh, too. So there's going to be a lot of I didn't know that. Yeah, that, yeah, that's him. That's him doing the show. That's Teddy Riley. So it's going to be a history lesson on many, many fronts. And Babyface is going to bring it, too, because he had the deal and he had a whole lot of stuff that we have probably long forgotten about. But, uh, Jonathan, Mona, this has been absolutely uh, a delightful departure from the norm of what we got going on right now through this coronavirus. I really appreciate both y'all coming in and making a little time to chop it up with your man over here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, DJ Mona Lisa and my good brother, Jonathan Lindsay. We've been chopping it up initially about these versus battles on Instagram Live between DJ Premier and RZA. And we just have evolved into a more expansive conversation and just chopping it up about music, which is exactly what I was hoping to do. Because uh, if I turn on the TV right now, I'm not gonna like what I'm gonna see. And so this form of escapism, I, I can't speak for the two of y'all, but it's exactly what I need to help me get through these times. And uh, I know we have loved ones that we're caring for. Uh, you know, quick shout out, I wanna send a shout out to David Reed and his family, we just lost him. A good brother in the scene who uh, was very supportive and would come to events and uh, was, you know, had a very re respectful, renowned career as a house DJ in his own right, from LA to Detroit. And uh, we're gonna miss him, but uh, the coronavirus took him out. So this thing is real and uh, we have to be close to our people and love on each other like never before. However, we have to let the music play because we need it now more than ever before. So once again, uh, DJ Mona Lisa, Jonathan, thank you so much. And uh, I might be calling y'all again so we could chop it up again because there's a whole lot more still to be said about this topic. So would y'all be down for that? Yeah, oh, for absolutely. sure. 